how is Luis tonight? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your presence here tonight, God. We thank you for your son that you sent to die for our sins. And then the Holy Spirit that you sent that lives inside each and every one of us with your resurrection power, Lord. Lord, I ask that you don't let anything come out of my mouth that I haven't heard directly from you, God. And that it edifies someone's life here tonight, God. Only you, Lord. Only you. Only what is of you. And I thank you, Lord. I give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. Amen. Okay, we're going to get started tonight in a verse that I used. In Hinesville, we're going to start with James 4, 7 through 10. And in James 4, I don't know if... We're going to have it up on the screen or not. James 4, 7 through 10. James 4, 7 through 10 says, So be subject to God. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. So what does it mean to be subject to God? Subject to God means to submit to the light. Submit your will to the understanding and the truth of God. Resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. He's coming at you. Stand firm against him. Because if we yield to temptations, the devil is going to continuously come back at you because he knows he can get you. So stand firm against him. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Recognize that you are sinners. Get your soiled hands clean. Realize that you have been disloyal, wavering individuals with divided interests. And purify your hearts of your spiritual adultery. As you draw near to God, be deeply penitent and grieve. Even weep over your disloyalty. Let your laughter be turned to grief and your mirth to dejection and heartfelt shame for your sins. Because if you don't deal with your sins here on earth, you will deal with them in the afterlife. Humble yourselves, feeling very insignificant in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you He will lift you up and make your lives significant. Who will do it? He will do it. But you have to get before him first and clean your hands. Well, we all know here that we are um, are going through death and burial. And this week is the very last week of burial. And so I've been asking God, I was like, God, okay, this is it. This is it. This is it, God. We're coming down to the end. This is it. Death and burial. What is there in me? What is in me, God? It's got to come out. It's got to be this week. Show me anything that is not of you, Lord. Help me to die and bury it all. I don't want anything in there that I have allowed Satan to convince me was okay. I don't want anything in there that I don't know about that Satan is still sitting in there going, "Uh 
Oh, I'm still in control of that. I don't want it there. Shine your light, Lord, this week. Get it out. When I was preparing for this lesson, I was asking God to show me, Lord, show me how to die and bury everything. Show me how, Lord, because I am a visual person. You can't just tell me something and I go out that door and I know it. Show me an example. Show me a vision. Show me, Lord, show me the steps to take. And God said, so many people proclaim that I am their God. They call on my name when they need me. They speak of me and even quote my word, but they don't make me the Lord of their life. Make me your Lord. Okay, Lord, I, how do I do that? How do, what else can I do to make you my Lord? How do I do it? And God said, who do you think you are? Mamie, who do you think you are? Kenrick? Louise? Carl? Carrie? Who do you think you are? Because whoever that is must die. What you have created and made of yourself, your character, your will, your mindset and your ego must become my character, my will, my mindset, all of me. Every situation, every choice, every judgment, every opinion, every fleshly desire, desire that you allowed the enemy to have control over and to make you think that's who you are must die every little situation you've been in every little thought and choice you have made that created who you are every fleshly desire that you chose has made you who you are must die so I was like okay Lord show me in the Bible and then I thought Jesus automatically. Even Jesus had to die to himself. And in Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Who although being essentially one with God and the form of God. Possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God did not think this was equal, equal, equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. So being God, he had to let go of it, even though he knew he was in him and he knew that's who he was. He stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant, a slave, and that he became like men and was born a human being. 
So Jesus chose to leave heaven where he was everything. He had all power and he chose to come down and die to that and be a human. And walk on this earth with flesh. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to this extreme of death, even death on the cross. So, yes, Jesus is our prime example of death and burial. He belittled himself. He humbled himself. He gave it all up to come and walk on this earth. And when he was here, he didn't let go. He held on and he died. Was it easy? No. He had to be stripped. He had to be humbled. He had to surrender. He became the sacrifice and sacrificed it all. Even Jesus got on his knees before God. And if you turn to Matthew 26, you don't have to go there. Matthew 26. And in verse 39 and in verse 42 and in verse 44, Jesus was in the garden and he was talking to God and his disciples were praying. He told them, pray for protection. Keep Keep guard, pray. And he went and got on his knees and he cried out to his father, his God, and said, not my will, God, but yours. And then he went back out. And what were the disciples doing sleeping? Get up, be on guard. And he went back to God again. God, not my will, God, but yours. He went back to the disciples. What were they doing? Sleeping again. And for the third time, Jesus went to his father. God, take this cup from me, Lord. But not my will, not what my flesh wants. But your will, God, I will submit. I will die. And I will go through the burial if it's your will, God. So he didn't creep. He could have gotten up and walked away. So we have to die as Jesus died and choose to give it all. Jesus went through death and burial. So God could resurrect his plan. His purpose through him. If he had not chosen to die. I don't know where this world would be. If we do not choose to die. Where will we be? Jesus is the perfect example of dying to yourself. Well, then I heard God. I was like, okay, God, there's got to be more in the Bible besides Jesus. Yes, Jesus is the perfect example, but he's Jesus. And he said, okay. And I heard Jacob. I heard Jacob. So I was like, okay, I've heard of Jacob. Let me read about Jacob. Well, I read in Genesis about Jacob. And I started reading in Genesis chapter 25 about Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau, they were twin sons of Isaac and Rebekah. And Isaac is the son of Abraham. 
They were the grandchildren of Abraham. Well, Isaac's favorite son was Esau because he was the man. He had hair all over his body. He was a big guy and he liked to hunt. He liked to go out and kill things and bring the meat to his father. But the other one, Jacob, he was his mother's favorite. He was Rebecca's favorite because he was very tender. He was a nurturer. He was a homebody. He liked to hang around the house and take care of things. He liked to cook. So Isaac's favorite was Esau, and Rebecca's favorite was Jacob. Now we all know we shouldn't have favorites, right? We shouldn't have favorites, but they did. And it came time for Isaac to hand over his birthright to Esau because Esau came out of the womb first. He was the oldest, and Isaac, in those times, you would hand it over to the oldest, your birthright. And, well, Isaac was blind, going blind, and he was getting old, and he thought, I need to hand over my birthright. Oh, let me go back. When they were little children, and um, Jacob liked to cook. He was cooking one day, and Esau walked in, and he was like, give me some of that food. Give me some of that. And um, Jacob said, I'll give you some if you hand me over, if you give over your birthright. He was like, birthright? I don't care about that. I don't want that. You can have it. Give me that food. So he fed him. So in reality, Esau should have given Jacob his birthright. He did give it over. But in reality, when Jacob said, you can have the food, you give me your birthright, that was kind of trickery, wasn't it? So even young, it was trickery. That wasn't of God. God wouldn't have told him to say that. Okay, so now back to our story. Isaac, hand over his birthright to Esau. It's something Jacob had always wanted. The birthright of Isaac. And Esau cared nothing about it. Even when he was little or when they were younger. He didn't care about that. That'll never mean anything to me. Whoop-de-doo, birthright. So Rebecca knew that Isaac was going to hand the birthright over. And she went to Isaac and she said, Isaac, we're going to trick your father so that he will give you the birthright. Oh, trickery. Deceitfulness. But his mother was telling him to do it. And he was like, no, we can't do that. And she was like, yes, we're going to do this. You go kill an animal and bring me it. I will cook a wonderful meal for your father. And he's like, but mother, Esau is all hairy. He'll know it's not me. And she said, we're going to take care of it. We're going to take the dead animal's skin and we're going to put it on you so that when your father touches you, you'll be all hairy. Deceit from the beginning. Well, Rebecca sent Jacob. Well, they did it. Isaac was on his deathbed. Jacob went in. Father, it is me. And his father said, but who are you? And he said, it is I, Esau, your son. He said, but you sound like Jacob. Come here, let me feel you. And he felt him and he was hairy. And he smelled like Jacob's clothes, the dead animals and all. Ooh. So he said, okay, this must be Esau. So he handed over his birthright. But it was to Jacob. So Jacob left. Hurriedly, he left. And then Esau came in to his father. And his father was furious but I just gave you your birthright. No, Father, that wasn't me. Oh, my gosh, what has been done? And so, long story short, Isaac is furious with Jacob, and Esau has vowed to kill his brother. Is that of God? 
So Satan was all in this, right? Satan is willing and dealing, controlling the situation. So Rebekah sent Jacob away so Esau wouldn't kill him. She sent him to her family's where she was from. And he went there and he saw a girl. And it was his niece, right? Laban's daughter, Rachel. I think it was his niece. And he fell in love with Rachel. She was gorgeous. I want Rachel for my wife. Well, he went to her father and her father said, okay, you're part of the family. It's better part of the family. Have her than some stranger that I'll never know. Yes, you can have my daughter, Rachel, in the condition that you work for me for seven years. Okay, Jacob agreed. And he worked for him for seven years. And everything prospered. And at the wedding, Rachel wore a veil so he couldn't see her face. And when he, after the wedding, he lifted her veil and, <gasps> whoa! Hey, you are not Rachel. Her name was Leah. And Laban said, well, she was my oldest daughter. And you know my oldest daughter has to get married first. That's just how it is. Now you give me seven more years and you can have Rachel. So deceit and people were controlling every situation in their lives, right? Jacob was deceived just as he had deceived his father. So it all came back around. Well, Jacob was there with Laban and Rachel and Leah for 20 years. He prospered. He had lots of children. And there's lots to the story, but I've condensed it. And when God, so God came after 20 years and said, okay, it's time to go back to your father. Jacob let a choice that he had made 20 years ago determine his life. He let Satan come in and deceive and control. So 20 years of his life went bye-bye. Not in God's plan. Who knows what God's plan was for him. Surely it wasn't to remove him from his family. And steal the birthright from Isaac. So that one decision. Guided 20 years of his life. So now he hears from God to go back. Well on his way back. He gathered all of his stuff. His wives. His maidservants, his men servants, his animals, his flocks, everything that Jacob had gained in 20 years, he gathered it all and he headed back. He headed back to the place where he knew his brother hated him and wanted to kill him. Jacob had been fine for 20 years, but now as he's walking back, he's starting to have to face his past. The choices he had made, but he had left all of that back there. That wasn't a part of his life anymore. But now he's going back to it. Can you imagine? Imagine the condemnation, the fear he was feeling. Well, Jacob came to the brook of Jabbok. And he sent everything he had over the brook. 
He was giving it all to his brother as a sacrifice before he saw him. He sent part his wife and children over here, go that way. He sent his other wife and children that way. Y'all go that way, that way. If he sees y'all and kills y'all, maybe we can get them and go. Who was in control of that situation? Jacob. Controlling the situation when God had told him to go. He was still trying to manipulate and control what was happening. He was giving it all to his brother as a sacrifice. Everything that he had gained in those 20 years, everything that he was, everything that he had known for the last 20 years, he was trying to control the situation and give it all to Esau. Well, Jacob didn't cross the Jabrock with them. They all went and Jacob stayed. He didn't cross over. He was left there with nothing. Everything had gone across the Jabbok. He was alone. Nothing there was with him. He came to the end of himself. There were no disturbances. No children, no animals, no wives. Nothing there to disturb him. Nothing for him to hold on to, to cling to. Nothing was there. So he went to sleep with his thoughts. I'm not there yet. He went to God with all of himself. Because that's all he had. And what he had done. He put everything before God in absolute surrender with his visions and his dreams. And that's all he had. He fought. He pleaded and he begged with who? We don't know. It doesn't tell us. But it tells us that he fought all night long with something. Was it his flesh he was fighting with? Was it his brother he was fighting with? Was it an angel of God? Was it God himself? There are many debates over who it could have been. Was it his mentality? He fought all night long. And in the morning, turn to Genesis 32, 27. Genesis 32, 27. 32, 27. The man asked him. The man is whoever he was fighting with. What is your name? And in shock of realization, whispering, he said, he asked him, what is your name? And Jacob, in shock, in realization, oh my gosh, what is my name? Jacob said, supplanter, schemer, trickster, swindler. That's who I am. I am nothing. 
Who do you think you are? What is your name? Look at Genesis 32, 28. And he said, Your name shall be called no more Jacob supplanter. No more of what you thought you were. But Israel, contender with God, for you have contended and have power with God and with men and have prevailed. Why a new man? Why did he say you are a new man? Because he gave everything up. He faced who he thought he was and he fought it and he put it to what? death and buried it and he rose a new man he surrendered God washed away everything from Jacob that night his thoughts what Jacob thought he was and had created for himself God washed it all away. Jacob died and buried everything Satan had created at the Jabbok. And in Jabbok in Hebrew means to empty itself. A pouring out. And that's what Jacob did. He emptied himself. He poured out that night. He fought with everything that he thought he was so that God could wash it all away and handle the situation. When Jacob crossed, finally got up and he crossed the Jabbok and Esau met him, he fell. Esau fell on Jacob and welcomed him. He didn't say, let me kill you. I hate you, my brother. You have ruined my life. Give me my brother. No. He didn't mention it. He didn't talk of it. He said, what is all this stuff? Who are all these women, these animals? And Jacob was like, these are my, I am giving these all to you. I am surrendering everything I am to you, Esau. And Esau was like, I got plenty of stuff. I don't need that. I want you, brother. Come on. Let's go, brother. We're so glad you're back, brother. I love you. We are a family now. Come back. God and only God changed the whole situation, the atmosphere was changed by God. The mindset of everyone involved. And that night at the Jabbok when Jacob poured out and he was fighting, I don't know, it doesn't say, but maybe he was fighting with Esau's spirit. Maybe his spirit and Esau's spirits were fighting. I don't know. Maybe there's thousands of things that could have been. But do you think those 20 years Esau had been holding on to that hate? And maybe that night God cleaned it all away? Who knows? It doesn't tell us. We don't know. But maybe Esau never even thought about it again. And for 20 years he was fine with the whole situation. We don't know. But Jacob lived with it for 20 years before he let it go at Jabbok. So, who do you think you are? Who do you think 
you are. That is what needs to die and be buried. Surrendered to God so that who you are is nothing but who God created you to be in the first place. Then you will walk as glorious sons of God with rivers of living water flowing out of you to bring God's kingdom to earth. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Any questions? Any discussions? Yes, Carrie's going to add. Two, no, two, six. Can you put that back up for me? Philippians 2, 6 through 8. This is one thing I want to give you a reference between Jacob and Jesus. Now, what was it, Philippians 2? No, no, no. Yeah, Philippians 2 what? 6 through 8 is what I used. Oh, yeah. Yeah, put, yeah, all three, put it all yes. up. Yes, I'm sorry. Who... Although being essentially one with God in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God, did not think him equal with God, that's not it. I'm looking for a word. It was abased. That's the word I'm looking for. What was it? Where was it, honey? Right there. Right here. He that's eight. And, and after himself. he had appeared in human form, and this is what's very important because I'm going to show you something that's exactly what, what Jacob did. After he had appeared in human form, he abased. What does that mean? What does abased mean? It means he lowered himself. It was he lowered and humbled himself. In other words, he didn't, he went beyond the fact, yes, I am God in flesh, but I'm laying that down. I'm humbling myself still further. I love this. Still further. How many of us in this ministry feel like, how long? How much further? You ever felt that way? Come on, I know I have. And carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. So Be he little. abased himself. He lowered himself for what he's thinking he was. Now, when Jacob, what happened with Jacob is after 20 years of thinking about what he did, what that that situation had to be revisited, right? And God said, you got to go back home. So he gathers up all his people, all his possessions and all his stuff, and God had really blessed him. But when he gets to the book, the brook, excuse me, I love that. And, and Paige, Paige Jabok. Taught, Jabok, she, she taught me this last night. It was cool. It is the emptying out. In other words, Jacob come to the end of himself with his pride because he sent all kind of gifts to Esau. First and foremost, don't kill me, brother. I'm trying, trying to, to make amends here. But he said, go to him and call him my Lord. See, Jacob was humbling himself, abasing himself, coming to the end of who he was. And he said, it was also, he said, call him my Lord. And he said, also, he said, tell him I'm your servant. Jacob said, tell my brother. I'm his servant. Humbling on down. And I love that at the brook. Emptying out. So Jacob had to come all the way to the point where he emptied out when he wrestled with the Lord all night long. Remember, we talked about the burial. When I said, when I had to shave, remember y'all, remember I, I worshipped 
myself in my flesh into submission that night. Remember, I said fighting with God. I did. I was just like Jacob, fighting with your flesh for four hours. I fought with my flesh. Coming to the very end, Jacob did at Jabbok. Yes, absolutely. The emptying out—it hit me like a ton of bricks when she was teaching us. It was the emptying out, letting it all go to be buried. So, so you that He can raise you to who He put you here. I mean, that's why Jesus died. He has a purpose. There is a purpose in us if we will just let Him do it instead of trying to control it all. And you know, sometimes there's a little pain. Sometimes there's a little pain. Sometimes there's going to be some moaning and groaning and crying how long. But you know, just don't have the time right now. And God told Jacob to go back. He told Jacob to go back. Jacob didn't want to go back. He didn't want to die. He knew his brother was going to try to kill him. He didn't want to do it. But God told him to do it. God tells you to do it. Don't try to control it. Just do it. God knew what was going to happen. Amen. Okay. Praise God. My wife is awesome. I love her. She's awesome. My goodness. Any questions? So who are you? I get it. Perfect. All right. All right, well, no questions. Let's dismiss. Y'all ready? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word tonight. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that we go forth out of here, Lord, putting everything behind us in this burial season, Lord, to be resurrected to who you really want us to be. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.